How much hockey do you like to watch, Father Anthony? I watched so far this season uh, one game, yeah, and I listened to another game. Okay. So, which is more than usual. Um, luckily, the the Penguins have been in the playoffs the last few years, so right. I would uh, for playoff games go to a friend's house and watch the games. And so you're a bandwagoner. I am totally a bandwagon fan. Like I am not a hardcore sports fan. I will not claim to be one. What, do you have any sports that you really like? No. I mean, like, no. if football's on and people are watching it, I'll watch football. I'll enjoy it. Yeah. Yep. But um, other than uh, sports entertainment, professional wrestling, which I'm very much into. <laughs> right. But that's not a real sport. It's a it's entertainment. It's a different beast. I'll admit. <laughs> uh, but that's like, as far as athletic endeavors, okay. uh, that's as far as I go, to be honest. Okay. So I, I love hockey. Um I've loved hockey since I can remember on when I would go visit my grandparents on Saturday night, we would watch my grandpa would have hockey night in Canada on and I watched it all the time with him. And growing up, I became a Canucks fan being growing up near Vancouver. And I remember in grade two, you just said so many words that I don't understand. That was so many Canadian words. Yeah, that's in good. like one sentence. I'm in. I'm in culturating. Canucks you. and Vancouver, all these words. Vancouver Canucks are a hockey team. What's they, a Canuck? They, they literally played. They were in Pittsburgh like two days after I left Pittsburgh. Okay, a Canuck but, is a. It's like a slang word for Canadian. Oh, so are you? It's a like Canuck? Yankee. Yeah, I'm a Canuck. Fun. All right, sorry. Yeah. You can continue now. Okay. Uh, anyway, so I. The Canucks went to the, to the Stanley Cup final in 1994, got very close to winning the Stanley Cup, but the darn New York Rangers beat us. Anyways, uh, so I've been a Canucks fan my whole life. I love watching hockey when I get a chance. And I just want to say it's been a lot of fun. Whenever I get the moments to watch, it's been a really fun time being a Canucks fan lately because we have an amazingly hot rookie right now. In the first 10 games of this of his of his career, he scored 16 points and 10 and of those 16 points, 10 of them are goals. Wow. Which is more than a point a game for yeah. a guy who's 19. I know enough about hockey to know that is quite good. It's really hard to do. Um, and he's just, it's been a lot of fun. We, the Canucks fans are, are very excited right now about our future because we don't just have uh, him. So this is Elias Pettersson. He was selected fifth overall in the 2016 draft. Um, and then um, 2016 draft? Yeah. Or 27. Yeah, 2016. Anyways. Uh, and then uh, we have Brock Besser and Bo Horvat. We've got some really good futures coming up. Like, it's just a, it's kind of an exciting time to be a Canucks fan because we've never won the Stanley Cup. And, but our GM has been really building it up. So I've just been... I've been, it's been fun every night. So even if I can't watch a game, I'll check Twitter when the game's on. I'll follow the Canucks account and, uh, and see that, you know, oh, good, Pedersen scored again. I just love keeping track of what's been going on with the team. It's been really exciting. Question. Actually, yes. Yep. Two questions. Okay. One, is fantasy hockey a thing? Two, yep. is it a thing that you do? Yes, fantasy hockey is a thing. No, it's not a thing I do. I don't have time to do fantasy hockey. I, that would require watching uh, too many things in the league to be able to do it, I think. And I just, I don't have the mental space to keep that going right now. But yes, right. it's definitely a thing and people do it. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. So welcome to Clerically Speaking. I'm Father Harrison. I'm Father Anthony. Yeah. How are you doing? 
I'm doing well. So as you may know, I live in the upper regions of the Pen- of the Pittsburgh Diocese, Newcastle, okay. PA, very far away from many other places in the diocese. Well, uh, the other Sunday, one of my priest friends, who is not on Twitter, uh, called me up and said, hey, I'm kind of close to where you are. He was like 33 miles away, but he was close. He was going to my way. So he said, oh, yeah, come on over. And it was one of those moments where I was kind of tired. I was in the mm-hmm. middle of playing video games, to be honest. I like uh, I didn't really want to hang out with him. But then I remembered, hey, if you have a chance to hang out with your brother priest, you really should do it. Yeah. And I'm glad he came over. And we hung out, and we started to do some exploring because I haven't really explored the entirety of even my house. So mm-hmm. we're looking around, and it's one of these big old houses. It's got like a servant staircase and like a main staircase. It's like one of those places, right? Yeah. And we were looking through the servant staircase, and then we found another staircase which I hadn't seen before that led to the attic. So then mm-hmm. we went to explore the attic, and it was super spooky. But when we were looking around in there, I uh, found a couple things. We found some of the original documents uh, kind of instituting the Holy Name Society at the parish I'm at. So it's mm-hmm. all written in Latin, very neat, you know, from the uh, from Rome. And also this really beautiful, I'll post, I posted it on Twitter, this really beautiful painting of um, the crucifixion scene. Uh, it's got a little icon, a little papal icon on it in the bottom right-hand corner that I need Father Alex Schrank to research for me. And then what else did we find? Oh, also up in the attic was a really old-timey, um, bowling alley, like this wooden little bowling alley we all found in the attic. Hmm. So I found all that, which made me realize, you know what? There's a lot of neat stuff in these old churches. So I'm going to spend yeah. some more time digging through the archives of the various seven parishes I have. Found like this really beautiful like saborium. Like, well, look at look at this thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll take a picture of this for Twitter as well. It's like beautiful. And nice. It's amazing how many like neat like old things around churches. And oh, because yeah. I've got the keys. I'm gonna do some more exploring. <laughs> so that's that's my new hobby now. It's stealing uh, stuff. From you're churches. like the Indian. You're like the Indiana Jones of the Catholic Church. I like to think so. Yes. Yeah. You got. Yeah. Although. Uh, well. Oh, I I had something smart alecky to say now, but no, I got nothing. Good. It's not actually. It, well, it's not actually smart. It's actually Silence not smart you. Just let me it's let me have this smart. moment. I'm gonna let you have the moment. Good. Yeah. Well, speaking of old dusty things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> keep going, keep going. I know you got it. Come on. <laughs> you got it. Speaking of old dusty things, uh, I thought, well, just as the Summa is an old dusty thing, uh, so let us go into the Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. minus be a minus for that segment. B minus. yeah 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 I, I i it was a quick one i gotta be honest maybe but, maybe uh, solid b for effort because you did try okay i did try so, hey you gotta i try. respect that you gotta try you gotta try all right uh suma i've got just it's, it was just a fun one um i just thought it was quite adorable mm-hmm. uh from shannon last shannon underscore last good friend of mine um lovely mass at saint matthew's this morning even the littlest was fairly contained 
though he only has one volume, so everyone in the cathedral got to hear him ask, can we go give Mary a high five? Yes. Love it. I love it. I love it. If you can like go up to statues and if you can like rub their the stat feet of the statues and pray, yeah. Why not let your kid give Mary a high five? I'm all about it. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me, because this is actually a good thing for kids like to do. Um, like, because I know a family who um, their their kids will will kiss a crucifix before they go to bed, and sometimes you know the parents they're putting the kids to bed and. They're tired and they're a little forgetful and they might forget to do this part of the ritual. And like the little kids will be like, but we mm-hmm. have to kiss Jesus. Yeah. And like, oh, that's beautiful. Like yeah. having that enculturated in people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. When kids feel comfortable to do that in a church, I think it shows, it, it, it forms in them this desire to actually want to be there. So mm-hmm. I think it's awesome that he just decided to yell that. And what a beautiful thing. And I'm sure hopefully most people had a nice smile. Yeah. All right. Let's go another tweet from Kyle Helmick. And just as a side note, the Helmicks are like some of my favorite peoples. And he said, this is the tweet. It's in quotes. Mm -hmm. This is less of a comment and more of a question. (laughs) That was so good. Whole conference cheers. So good. Amazing. So good. I think he was actually at a conference. So Mm -hmm. that's probably where he came up with it. So the Um, yoke, if you will is that most people be like, it's time for questions. And people be like, oh, this is less of a question and more of a comment. And you just like roll your eyes. Yeah. Because in the classes, in any large group of people, you'll have these weirdos who just really want to have their voice be heard by everyone. Like who would do that? Right. Like don't do that in a conference. Be a regular person and start your own podcast if you want to hear your own voice. Don't bother people who like have to be there and listen to your voice, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It was, I, I laughed really hard at that one. I thought, Kyle, like just kudos. Kyle, Kyle, has, Kyle has got some peak Twitter skills. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, where was it? Are you not so going here, to read the one from Teresa Alethea? Oh, wait. The, uh, the one about your sweater? I think we need to mention it. Okay. Well, you mentioned it. It's about you. I know, but it's like insulting me. Yeah, exactly. That's why you should do it. Okay. <laughs> this is from the good sister who gave us our lovely Memento Mori. Well, no, 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 no. Well, hold on, hold on. She gave right. you your love, the lovely uh, Memento Mori skull. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the only one who got the skull. So there's just some comments about hurt. the skull that I received bitter. that Father Harrison did not and never will. And uh, the tweet is this. It's silver. At Father Shraba just automatically makes things look less cool when he's wearing a sweater. No, also, no, you're when lo- he's wearing that sweater. That's, oh, right, when he's wearing that sweater. <laughs> also, you're lucky I'm a forgiving nun. In another life, you would be blocked for referring to me and Hot Topic in the same sentence. <laughs> so there's a lot. There's a lot to this okay, tweet. Wh- okay, you have to explain something to me. What is Hot Topic? Hot Topic is a store... They sell okay. like T-shirts. Um, if you're looking for like a Rick and Morty T-shirt, or even or like a wrestling T-shirt, they have it. Wrestling T-shirts there, or like just something emo or goth, they'll sell yeah. that kind of stuff there. Um, okay. So like it like or like knickknacks, like a skull knickknack, you you could find that at Hot Topic. So mm-hmm. that is what Hot Topic is more or less. Okay. So a few things about this tweet. First of all, I have 
the most excellent sweaters. There is nothing more pastoral than a priest wearing clerics and wearing a comfy sweater. You see a priest wearing clerics and a sweater, you're like, you know what? That's a good father who I can speak to my life about. I trust him. He's wearing a nice-looking sweater. I wear hoodies. Sweat, hoodies? Now, like hoodies. Zip up, zip up, are, zipper hoodies. Zip-up hoodies. Zip up oh, hoodies, especially yeah. zip-up hoodies. But yeah. any hoodie with clerics says, oh, I'm the young priest. I'm approachable, and I don't take myself <laughs> too seriously. That's what I – we yeah. have to do a whole thing. But, like, my nice cardigans, that's the pastor sweater right there. But you're now, not a pastor. I'm not, but it's the pastor sweater. It's the pastor look. People trust okay. you even more. Okay. Now, if you wear clerics and like a gray sports coat or a brown sports coat instead of the normal like black one, you're, you're saying, you know, you're not either a Jesuit <laughs> or you're being very ecumenical. You're making all of the Protestant uh, pastors and reverends feel much more comfortable around you. Because Extra the, points if you have elbow patches. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. You're the ecumenical priest. Now, if you wear the regular black, that's like a power move. That's like American cleric right there. Yeah. But yeah. if you wear a different color, it kind of tones it down a little bit more, and like the Protestants are less scared of you. Right. What about what about um, what what about the guys who wear T-shirts over their clerics? Oh, that's just saying that uh, you're at a youth event, you're on a retreat, <laughs> or at a conference. That's but the only time you do that. It, like not you at a youth event and just. Like, oh, you're a clerics. crazy person. Okay. Like you're just an insane priest. Like, cause you only can do that when you're with your youth group and you gotcha, want to make the gotcha. youth group feel like, you know what? I love you kids so much. I'll even wear your t-shirt. Gotcha. That's okay. the only time you do that. Okay. We should do a whole gotcha. podcast on clerical fashion. Cause people don't realize that. Like there's a lot of options. Like even for there the clerical is. shirt, there's a bunch of options. Oh yeah. There's the tab. Yeah. There's the full collar. There's the, oh yeah. There's, there's a whole range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we got a little off track. Sister. Yeah. My sweaters are awesome. You are a good and forgiving nun. Good thing. I'm glad you didn't block that person for referring to you in Hot Topic. And, um, yeah, I've got a skull that the sister sent me, and you don't. Yeah, me. but uh, I will say, I will say that uh, uh, Millen, at Millen Catholic, Darren, he heard my plea and sent me a skull to say. What? Because, you know, because Sister Teresa is just so mean and doesn't send me a skull. And a fellow Canadian heard my cry in the wilderness and and sent me a skull. You not know, that not to, that skull, but a skull. I'm still I'm still gonna say that I'm very against this. You Why? can't like if a priest starts like whining about stuff, you can't just like give in. Like that's ridiculous. Apparently it works. Oh well, good for you. So uh, this is uh, from at Morgan is a wizard. That's her mm -hmm. uh, Twitter name. So she says this, uh, what a beautiful day to not be Catholic and care about anything the Pope says. And she is quoting a tweet uh, where Michael Moore is on, uh, which show, I think it's Stephen Colbert there. Uh, and Michael Moore says this, Michael Moore on a meeting with the Pope two weeks ago. As I said, so you believe capitalism, the kind of the capitalism we have now is a sin? He goes, yes, it is. He said, the poor must always come first. The Pope thinks capitalism is a sin. So her quote tweet about this, I thought was really interesting. And I thought it was actually really good because Michael Moore doesn't care anything about the Catholic church. No. Oh, it was, it was Seth. It was uh, Seth. What's his name? The bad, the bad late night show. Uh, 
That's but, uh, you, everyone knows what you're talking about. That's good. Yeah, Seth yeah. The, from the Bad Late Night Show. Yeah, I can't remember his last name. That's how much I hate the show. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, first and the second thing is the Pope doesn't know who Michael Moore is. No. Michael Moore thinks the Pope knows who he is, but the Pope <laughs> does not know who Michael Moore is. No. I just, I guess, here's my beef with all this: the people will talk to the Pope about something in private, and then they'll grandstand about how the Pope is. They use him as like a moral authority for their political position, and they use and they use him uh, contrary to what he's intending to get across when he's saying something. And I find it so infuriating when people do this, right? Especially it's when only, it's people. It's only when they when they find something that they agree with. Yeah. What would he say? Would he say? What if the Pope said, "And so is abortion"? Yeah. What would Michael Moore say then? Would he exactly. would he promote that? No, he wouldn't. And this is my this is my. Um, this is my real beef with this. It's especially it's people who aren't Catholic who do this a lot. They say, "Well, the Pope says this, therefore." I'm like, and also the the Pope is not always speaking ex cathedra, right? He's yeah. not just because the Pope says something doesn't mean it's a uh, it's a divine command from above. Just, like we we have this sense that every word that comes from the pope has to be this divine word and it's not and then we get ourselves upset about because the pope said this and this person's and then also did the pope actually say this or is michael more twisting stuff because we have to also remember the pope his english is not so good that is true his english is not so good and he he kind of admits this um so i just found it to be a political grandstanding and using the pope to just as a as a ploy to get across a political yeah, position, a and I found it. I'm going yeah. to make a yes. potentially controversial observation. Yes. Now, I think observations by their nature should not be controversial because this is just what I've seen. But I yeah. find it fascinating. So the Catholics I've met in real life, in my life, in my area, yeah. the ones that are you know genuinely theologically orthodox and striving for mm -hmm. holiness, politically, I found that they tend to be more uh, leading towards the right. Okay. Now, I got on Twitter. I've been on Twitter for a little more than a year. And the people I've met on Twitter who tend to be, um, at least most of, a lot of them, who tend yep. to be orthodox, striving for holiness, mm -hmm. I've experienced they've tended to be on the left, which yep. I never knew even existed. Now, yep. me personally, I don't try to get into much political things. Not to say yep. that Jesus doesn't have a, a dramatic impact on politics, because I believe he right. does. But... You know, I can only be an expert in so many things, Father Harrison. So right. I'm gonna stick to you know my theology and my and my and my hot takes. But I just something found this whole group of Catholics that lean to the left who are mm -hmm. still, you know, theologically orthodox, mm -hmm. found it fascinating. Yeah. I never experienced that before I entered of a Twitterverse. Right, and, and uh, yeah, it is. It, it, and I also think, you know, even Pope John Paul II had some critical things to say about capitalism as mm -hmm. it's lived out and stuff. So I'm not saying that. In some ways, I actually wouldn't be surprised that the Pope said that. I guess I just get frustrated when people suddenly care about what the Pope says. Right. When they actually could care, when they don't listen to him on anything else. Yeah. If, you, if, you, if, if you're looking for moral authority in this area, then you need to listen to his moral authority in all areas because it's all interconnected. And the Pope, and we have a duty and a right, we have a duty, I should say, as Catholic priests, especially to speak about issues that affect, affect political choices because it's about the common good of society. But, um, and yeah, and, and you're right. There are people who swing left and right who are, I would say, faithful Catholics because in the end, your political party is not going to save you. Amen. 
Jesus. Yeah, that's something Americans need to hear more and more and more because politics need, becomes a religion in our country. Yeah, it's, we, uh, we, need to do a, we need to do a chat about that one day because I, I think we've talked about that before even, right? We've mentioned it, but maybe do because, a whole like, thing yeah. on it. Because, yeah, we've got very different perspectives. You being an American and I being a Canadian. And exactly. It, you know, you being in a real country, I being in a fake country. I could not have said it better myself. Yes. Uh, I think let's go with uh, my man, Jonathan Blevins. Yeah. And so a few weeks ago, he was at TwitchCon, which is oh, like yeah. a thing where I guess people who stream on Twitch and go yeah. and hang out. Yeah. And he says, um, I've had multiple people come up to me at TwitchCon thanking me for introducing them to God. I literally can't believe it. Praying for all of them. To God be the glory. So I've, I've mentioned uh, John on a, on a few of our podcasts. He mm-hmm. uh, works at a parish. He does um, catechesis and that kind of thing. He also um, live streams Fortnite. And mm-hmm. on his live stream, he talks about Jesus. And he yep. has this really like beautiful and easygoing balance to it. Uh, where he'll answer people's questions, he's pretty good at the game, he'll interact with people. And it's just such a normal, ordinary way of... There's something refreshing about why, how he does what he does. Because right. he's not pushing it down anyone's throats, but he's not apologetic about it. He's just right. kind of being himself, yep. talking about Jesus, and playing video games. Cool. And he's reaching people that would never have been reached otherwise. Hmm. And this yeah. is like, it's a beautiful thing. Like, how many more avenues... Like, because if you were to ask, I don't know, probably a lot of Catholics, like, can video games bring people closer to Jesus? The answer would probably be no, but right. Jonathan's, like, doing it. Yeah. Uh, introducing awesome. people to God. And I've been on his, uh, like, I, I watch his streams every once in a while. Sometimes I, I play Fortnite with him. And I've seen it happen where people are, like, genuinely asking questions because he's a good guy, he's yep. human, and he's mm-hmm. unapologetic about Jesus, and it's bringing people in. So I thought that was really cool cool yeah i thought i thought that was really neat too and i i i haven't watched i need to watch one of his streams one night i i've tried playing fortnite i just ugh, it just didn't really get me <laughs> but i do i want to watch one of his streams one night just to just to see uh just to see how it all works because i thought yeah this and it's a beautiful thing and i think this is where you're taking i think that's a legitimate kind of expression of finding the new methods and new ways of evangelization and the that that the church is asking of us he's really making an effort to do that and i think it's beautiful and godspeed on that endeavor amen yeah so speaking of exhorting people to jesus um let's then now move towards presbyteral exhortations <laughs> and now it is time for presbyteral Exhortations. Oh yes. yes, quite good, quite good. Indubitably. Mm-hmm. I bet they can't wait to learn. They're gonna learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's the best part. Yeah, yeah, it's quite. Yes, quite. That's a solid A right there. Thank you. Thank like, you. Like that was. In, I mean, I think you get like extra points for it being like forced, but in a clever way. But that was just yeah. solid. Thank solidly you. moved right Thank into you. it. So. Thank good you. Job. Thank what are you. we talking about today? So we're going to talk about uh, one of my new favorite shows. Uh, I love good television. Uh, I think that the best TV show of all time is Breaking Bad for a variety of reasons. I'm not going to talk about that today. Uh, but I love we good. Well, we could one day. Um, I love good television. Mm-hmm. And my favorite show that I discovered, I want to say last April or May, I saw an article. I saw something on Twitter about someone talking about how 
uh, The Good Place is such a unique and fun show. So when I first heard it, so we're, I want to talk about The Good Place today. And just a little backstory, because I remember seeing ads about it. Uh, I saw ads. I, I remember I, was, I, th I think I was visiting California at one point to visit my sister. And I saw ads for it. And I just said to myself, this is just going to be another show that's going to be a really bad take on what heaven is. And it's going to be bland and boring. And I want nothing to do with it. So I just yeah. always ignored it, right? Yeah, that was like when I first heard of it, that was my first reaction to like, I don't want the TV talking to me about heaven and hell because TV people are stupid. Yeah. So, but I saw some, a Catholic whose opinions, I can't remember who it was, but I remember it's like someone whose opinions I usually respect wasn't you. Um, of course not. <laughs> Let's not get ridiculous. Exactly. Because I don't expect respect your opinions. So no, uh, please. <laughs> um, I thought, okay. Well, I'll check this out. And I think it had just gotten on Netflix at that point. So I sat down and I watched the first episode and I said, oh my gosh, this is one of the best TV shows I've ever watched. So uh, I want to, and then I just binged the first two seasons and now season three is on. So I've been watching season three slowly as, as the season's been going on. The seasons are short uh, on, on purpose. Uh, they're trying to move the show kind of in a quicker direction. They don't want to do a full 22 episodes every season. Um, but I want to talk about it from the Catholic perspective, because I think there's a lot of interesting themes that the show explores that are worth discussing and, and um, talking about. Now, I will say this ahead of time. While I would love to talk about the show, I cannot, I mean, it's, we're in season three now, so expect spoilers for the first two seasons at least, because it's hard not to talk about the show without talking about uh the whole context of everything oh so, yeah so first of all since we're hopefully by now paying producer nick to do stuff let's have producer nick put in a spoiler warning right here there we go oh hello there listeners producer nick here i think we can all agree that we all hate the following things holding hands during the Our Father, when people sneeze into the holy water font, and complicated responses to mass intercessions. Our response will be loving, gracious, merciful, thankful, happy, special, wonderful, great, almighty, really big, humongous, wonderful, good, and loving God, hear our prayer. Yup. All good people sure do hate those things. Though we can't help you with liturgical goofiness, we can warn you about spoilers. So if you're afraid of spoilers, head on over to one of those B-level Catholic podcasts like The Crunch, Forte Catholic, or Catching Foxes. No, don't do that. They're terrible. Okay, here it comes. The spoiler. So, okay, so you, you would not you would not shut up about this show. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't shut up about it in the priest's <laughs> DM. You were tweeting about it, and I'm like, I am one of these people who, like, if everybody likes something, I instinctively do not like that thing. I'm the same way, too. Right? So this is, like, the fact that you were talking about it, I was like, Rrr. but you know what? I like to do this thing where if I eat lunch by myself, this is, like, a, a ritual I developed in seminary when I was just done with people, because sometimes you just yeah. get done with living in community. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I would I would pick a show, 
and I would watch the show and I would eat my Chipotle or whatever else I was having for lunch. So I, I had this desire to do that again. And I had I had watched, you know, ran out of episodes of New Girl. I didn't know what else to watch. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take the dive and watch The Good Place. And yeah. I kind of love it. It's kind of a really good show. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, now I'm still my I will be honest, my my judgment's still holding out about season 3 for a variety of reasons, but I'm going to uh-huh. withhold judgment till the season's over. It's taken a different turn that I didn't expect, but um um but anyway, so so the, the here's the premise of the show for those who haven't seen it. Uh it's about a show about a woman named Eleanor Shellstrop who's uh, played by Kristen Bell, and the first episode starts with her being dead. She uh sitting in a room and she looks across and on the wall it says everything is fine and she kind of smiles she walks in the room and she sits down and meets this man named michael and at which point uh he informs her that she is dead and so uh we go on throughout the show and apparently soulmates exist in this reality and so she meets her soulmate whose name is chidi who is a a professor of ethics and moral philosophy at an Australian university, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And it's in within the about fifth, about halfway through episode one, she confesses to Chidi that she's not supposed to be there. Yeah, uh, it turns out she, she was kind of a garbage person on earth. Yeah, really garbage person actually. Yeah, <laughs> and um, so the whole show is playing off this fact that she actually shouldn't be there she doesn't know why she's there etc and the whole show's the first season's really about this her not being there and then halfway through the first season uh the guy who's playing the monk who actually ends up being jason mendoza filipino from florida jacksonville florida portals yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, man. oh man uh who actually turns out to be just a total idiot uh mm-hmm. he's also not supposed to be there and so on and so forth. So I, I just think it's a really interesting show for a few reasons. And I want to kind of explore some of the themes. The first thing is, I so part of the show is Eleanor, in order to try and find her way to be able to make an argument to stay there, wants to become, quote unquote, a good person. And she wants to change for that. So she talks to Ch- she talks Chidi into teaching her ethics and moral philosophy so that she can learn how to be a good person. And so the show, almost every episode, is exploring different theories of moral philosophy. It talks about Aristotle and Plato, Kant, and like in different theories of pragmatism, consequentialism, utilitarianism. And the show, I think, does an amazing job at expressing in a very simple way these theories of philosophy without it having to become too academic. I'd say for a, a very basic intro to people who've never studied philosophy before, it does a pretty good job. And I was yeah. like really surprised. I was like, whoa, you guys are actually doing a good job at this. Yeah. Yeah. Someone who doesn't know much about moral philosophy or hasn't studied it, like mm-hmm. you can, it doesn't, um, it doesn't ruin the show. It actually, you can pick it up what's going on. Yeah. And then for guys like us mm-hmm. um, who we had to study philosophy at a college it's like yeah. super exciting because like they're talking about the nerdy stuff that we actually learned about yeah in and a fun sort of way we loved we yeah. loved right and 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 so i thought that was a really interesting thing about the show now i've oh i've 
I think this gets to my first kind of discussion point, though, is I find it very interesting that the show's premise of heaven, uh, of the afterlife between heaven and hell is premised around the idea of um, of being a good person. The more good deeds you do, the better uh, the better chances you have of being in the good place and the interesting thing is just because if that's and they have a whole point system apparently and mm-hmm. so there's like a calculus at play about your good deeds and it's they have a lot of fun with that right uh what was the one i used a few weeks ago that you said oh i need a vi-, you know one of the one of the points you get taken off is you know when people say i need a vacation for my vacation right yes or like I'm actually a, a pretty big fan of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. But if you're if you are a fan, or if you've gone to a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert, you yeah. lose points and you're closer yeah. to hell, yeah. which I thought was funny. Yeah, the comedy is really smart. It, it's yeah. from the same guy who's done The Office and Parks and Rec, and and Brooklyn Nine Nine. Like he's done all the really good comedies that have been out in the last uh, ten years or so. Um, Michael Shore. So, but. Even with the calculus, even if you're in the positive, it doesn't mean you get to the good place. It's only for the very good people, the people who really changed the world and did better thing, the best possible things. And I found it a very interesting idea that regardless of how they, they want to look at it, their constant, their idea of afterlife is premised around a kind of Pelagianism. Yes, you do literally earn your way into heaven. Yeah, yeah. So I found that I just found that super interesting, uh, informative, and I. Um, the other thing about the show that I found really interesting was not just um, not just that, but um, the way the afterlife is portrayed. Yeah. Do you want to maybe? Do you want to give some people some descriptors about that quickly? So, so it's not yeah. just me so talking. So I guess we have to. <laughs> we have to. The first big spoiler is that. Um, Eleanor is not in the good place. None of the main characters are actually in the good place. Yeah. So the idea is that um, hell is what you think of as like the culture thinks of hell, like just extravagant, gruesome tortures. Right. But one of the demons kind of gets bored of this and he wants to do something creative. So he wants to create this hell in which the human beings torture each other. So he creates this like fantasy of this like perfect place but things are always just a little bit off. And so Eleanor's greatest fear is that she's gonna be found out as a fraud. So they use this to kind of, it's like a psychological and like emotional and interpersonal torture, which I thought was actually very clever. And the idea is that, you know, what is the worst thing or what is the most torturous thing about human existence? Other humans. And that's an interesting commentary, right? right? Well, do you know know where this comes from? Uh, Where does it come from? Uh, Jean-Paul Sartre's play No Exit the idea uh, that, that hell is other people yes right and I, I found that yeah that's a really interesting thing uh, but so I was going to talk about that at the end but that's okay okay um, it's all good it's <laughs> so all anyway good. so that's yeah. so that's what's going on what was the question yeah. you asked me about well I was, I was asking about like what does what the what does the place look like Oh, so it's like this really actually the, uh, the cinematography and like the props and everything is really neat in the show yeah. but it's like this it's like super nice suburbia is what heaven yeah. or this white picket you know, fences, fake heaven looks like, right? Perfectly paved rock um, roads, everything. It's just like yeah. everything. They is have like peak. a whole session where you can go flying if you want to. Yeah. Like um, there's this um, frozen yogurt place. You can get any kind of flavor you want. So it's like 
when you're a little kid imagining what heaven's going to be like, yeah. that's what it is. There's this little like like this kind of um, robot type being that yeah. you can call upon like a Siri or an Alexa and ask for anything Janet. you want and you get Her it. Her name's yeah, Janet. Janet, exactly. Yeah. So like when you're a little kid think of heaven like will there be Xbox in heaven? Of course, and you can play any game you want. Yeah. So it's a very materialistic idea of heaven. Yeah. So there's that but it I found that really interesting. So that that brings me into another interesting point about the show was that they had this idea. So, the, yeah, the, what Father Anthony was talking about, the big reveal that, at, 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 you know, she, everyone's fighting amongst each other because someone's going to have to go to the bad place. And, uh, and then Eleanor just comes to this realization. She goes, uh, she just has this big revelation. She goes, this is the bad place. At which point Michael kind of says, yep, you're pretty much right. I, he's kind of shocked that she comes to this realization. But with this, the whole context of the, like the white picket fences, the perfect harmony of people, the doing the things that just make you happy, the materialistic vision of heaven. After about episode three, now this is interesting because when I've watched it with Catholics, often, after around episode three or four, they say to me, is this the bad place? <laughs> right. And, I, and so that was I, my, and, and that was my, that was my intuition too, because everything they're showing about what heaven to be, I'm like, that's not heaven or that's not the after that's like, that's looks more like hell to me. Mm-hmm. So I Sorry. couldn't, I couldn't have that perspective because I had seen the, the, the gif on the internet of oh, the character yeah. Eleanor saying, this is the bad place. So I yeah, knew, yeah. like I, it was right. spoiled for me. Um, right. So I didn't get that experience, but like I went into the show knowing it was the bad place. But right. yeah, it was obvious. I mean, I knew, but it was also like kind of obvious. I, I mean, this is actually one of the reasons it's a good show because once the reveal happens and you watch the show again with this knowledge, you start to see it in a different light, which is really, I think is always good storytelling when you yeah. have a twist and you can make it enjoyable because you have this whole new context to understand the story, it makes it actually watchable over and over again because you're just always looking for these new things and these new twists and everything. So, um, but yeah, that was one of my interesting things about this, about this. I said, yeah, this is the bad place because for the Christian, heaven is not this materialistic um, view of things. It's not this, oh, I get to play X, like a, uh, <laughs> uh, Jason's uh, butthole. <laughs> oh, it's Bud, as in like bud your buddy. Hole. And it's a joke, but it's, it's like joke. his like buddy place. It's his bud, bud hole. hole. Yeah, get where it? you go hang out with people, right? Get He's it? got like a poster of Ariana Grande. It? Yes, you get it. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> but he has a poster of like Ariana Grande there, and he's eating jalapeno poppers and uh, playing Xbox and playing as the Jacksonville Jaguars and everything like that. Uh, our, that's our idea of like that's the very secular view of heaven and this is my thing so I, I they have a podcast for this show and i've been listening to the podcast and one of the interesting things about the show is that they really pride themselves on the idea that they got away with the twist because mm -hmm. they think that anyone who watches the show wouldn't see the twist coming but my experience has been that while we may not say definitively this is the bad place the question starts to arise for the Catholic because we have a fundamentally different view of the afterlife mm -hmm. and this vision of, of, of how heaven would be, where it's just like, this is not heaven uh, because of its mediocrity, 
because yeah. this is the thing the the white picket fences the perfectly built buildings the nice colors it, it suburbia as a culture is a culture of mediocrity that's right? the line man that's the best line I've heard in our podcast so far. <laughs> I grew up in suburbia, so it means a lot to me. Like so the did only I. place we could go was like Starbucks. Yeah. So, but it's absolutely true. It's, it's true. like this idea of like just utter safety and uniformity. Yeah. And comfort, but yeah. like an artificial kind of comfort. Yeah. Um, exactly. And that's yeah. just so uncatholic. Exactly. Suburbia is so not Catholic. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's not heaven. <laughs> like, no, it's certainly that's not. Why, heaven, that's no. why it got to me. I'm like, is this hell? Because, or is this the bad place? They don't call it heaven and hell. Uh, and don't watch the show looking for theology. Nah. In that sense, they're, and I and like some people will say, oh well, they're not talking about heaven as we see it. I'm like, yeah, but I, I find it interesting because they thought they got away with this, but I think if you're a well-informed Catholic, you you start to see this pretty quickly. And we start to see it pretty quickly. You don't get away with it. But then this is why I find the show so interesting is that they thought that they got away with this mm-hmm. when and they didn't. For a lot of people, they probably did. Yeah. And they probably did, right? But I'm saying for some people, they actually didn't get away with it because the because the method and, con- and way they present heaven actually shows their cards and they didn't even realize it. Yeah. And that's why I find well, it interesting. And that's why I find the show interesting because it's actually giving you a kind of secular view of, of what most, what is the popular culture's view of heaven? And yeah. this is why people find it attractive. Like, well, yeah, this is my vision of heaven. And it shows you then, too, why people will find heaven boring. Because you see it. If that's heaven and I have to eat frozen yogurt for all eternity, I ain't getting, I ain't going there. Okay. So let's take a quick sidebar. And yeah. Can we do this yep. and talk about what Catholic heaven is? Sure. Because I had a uh, – and maybe other people have had this, too. But I remember being in high school and having a little bit of, of a crisis. Because I had heard that heaven was, you know – staring at the face of God for all eternity or something like yeah. that. And I began to think, I don't think I want to do that. Like, that doesn't sound like a very good heaven. And there, there was yeah. this kind of like deep fear in me, like, oh, yeah. I don't know if heaven sounds so good. Yeah. And I started to freak out. You know, what eventually brought me out of that freak out, I was like, wait a second, I really do love God though. God right. wouldn't make a heaven that's lame. So I must misunderstand something. But what is like heaven for a Catholic? Because you hear different things and people ask questions like is this or that going to be in heaven what is yeah. I, I almost said catholic heaven but like that's not it for us like what is actual heaven is right. a better way to ask that question yeah so and what is actual heaven and but to be in christ with the father son and holy spirit for all eternity but this is the other thing and this is where catholics and this is where i think it, the show is very interesting because it it's building on this idea of a kind of platonic or um, Greek worldview of afterlife and spirit and everything where that's the end game. But this is the, for Catholics, heaven's not the end game. It's the beginning, really. It's the beginning. Well, it is, but it's also, there's actually a more definitive action that's going to happen at the end of time. Oh, you're right. I should have seen that one coming. Right. The resurrection resurrection of the body, right. Where there'll be a new heavens and a new earth and sin will have no more sin and death will have no more reign over us that we will be in Christ with, and that the whole cosmic cosmos will be in a perfect harmony with God and that creation and God will not be separated anymore. This is what Christ is going to come to bring. So heaven isn't the end game. It's like a, it's like a temporary holding place in some way. 
Yeah, that's a weird thing too. That's yeah. like a whole thing. Yeah. Because like, there's a sense like, if you die, and you're in heaven, and you're a saint, yeah. and there are only saints in heaven, like, you are perfectly happy, but there's also an, a kind of incompletion there, which is very hard for us. Whenever you talk about, whenever we get into the deep things of God, or whenever we talk about heaven or the afterlife, we have to realize that we're always going to have to speak in metaphor, right? Because we're yeah. never going to quite get it right because it's a yeah. whole different like key or like pitch of, of, of being. It's going to be different, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 it's something that we, I has not seen nor, oh my gosh, I has not seen nor ear heard, ear? has yeah. heard what God has prepared for those who love him. Yay, you do the Bible thing. Yay. And that's <laughs> our vision. So, because I, I think deep down, if heaven's just going to be earth in continuation, I think that actually becomes depressing for most people. Because yeah. our sense of that then is that, well, no, in the end, there'll be suffering there too. I don't want that. I'm done with the suffering thing. I need my salvation um, uh, and so on and so forth. So I... Um, I find that very, so I think the show in some ways betrays or reveals the culture's sense of heaven. And I think that's important for us to know as Catholics, because when we're talking about, well, we get to go to heaven, that's what people think about. And to be honest, most people actually don't want that. Mm -hmm. They don't want like if that. If you really think about it, like just a continued life. And Ratzinger talks about this. I think mm -hmm. he talks about this in his one encyclical. Um, On hope. What's the one about love? Oh, Deus Caritas Est. I think he talks about it in there. Okay. But uh, the idea that heaven cannot just be this stretching out or continuation of life. Right. And this is what we talked about with the um, a few podcasts ago about the Catholic imagination and all time being one. It's mm -hmm. like this deep dive into eternity, not a exactly. stretching out of time. Right? Exactly. It's our time. Our time is now being lifted up into eternity. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's... It's, and, and that's the other thing about the show, although uh, season three talks about the relationship between the good place, like the afterlife time and earth time. Um, but and, and, I mean, there's so many interesting things to the show. There's um, there's a weird hierarchy of demons and judges and everything. It's kind of like a weird Gnostic system. But and, and the odd thing about the show and I'm not, I'm not mad about it because, again, I find the show interesting because I think it tells us more about the culture than anything else. Um, and that's why I find it. I always find shows intriguing when they unintentionally reveal a lot about the culture they're trying to reach. Um, yeah. Is God is never mentioned once in the show. He is totally not there. You know what? That never struck me. But you're absolutely right. Yeah, not once. I've watched... This, there is watched, no supreme being in the show. Yeah, I've watched seasons one and two multiple times already, uh, because it's a, like you said, it's a show. Like I'll go to bed at night and I'll throw it on or something like that, just to help me fall asleep. Um, so I've watched it through many times now, and it's it's never once said, and and the whole system of um, the whole system they have these different hierarchies and everything like that. It's just it's very intriguing, and it's got a kind of pseudo gnosticism to it that. Uh, I find kind of intriguing. So, but the other thing I want to talk about with the show uh, was that heaven is embodied. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah. Like the whole afterlife is like, 
it's like a transportation to a place. Like you have a body, you need food. Yeah. Um, it, you, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, speaking of food, there's a great quote uh, in the in there talking about the frozen yogurt thing. Uh, yes. In episode six, what we owe each to each other, um, we find out why the good place keeps frozen yogurt on tap. And so Eleanor asks Michael, "Why? What is it with you and frozen yogurt? Have you not heard of ice cream?" Michael says this. Oh, sure. But I've come to really like frozen yogurt. There's something so human about taking something and ruining it a little so you can have more of it. Yes. Like there's a lot of little gems about like that in the show. And mm -hmm. but yeah, so they're eating frozen yogurt. Uh, and, that's, and that was another big hint about it being the bad place. Because why would you take something bad? Let's just have the good thing then, right? Right. The idea uh, about it being the bad place is everything is a little bit off. Yeah, it's kind exactly. of like that, um, like uh, annoying, like background sound or yeah. of a air conditioner, of the humming of the lights, or Father Anthony talking, or like you listening to my voice right now. Like it's just this thing that's something that's a little bit off that's really bothering <laughs> you and driving you insane and closer yeah. and closer into hell and away from God. Yeah. So yes, thank you, Father so, Harrison. You're welcome. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the other that was the thing I really noticed about this embodied sense of personhood that it, it and this is actually i thought one of its redeeming qualities okay fine it may not be the body it may not be a sense of resurrected body like we understand it as christians but whether they're realizing it or not they're expressing an idea that personhood is expressed in a bodied way and that to be human is to be embodied yeah right even michael who's a, a demon he puts on the suit of a human and he's got everything that comes with that right so and all the intriguing things that that he's experiencing trying to be in a human body but that for for the show i mean part of it's hey we got actors we got to use their bodies right, in right, some right. way right but that even the afterlife it's all this physical stuff and that in some ways i thought that was actually a really nice balance of the show that it's not this pure spiritualism but that there's something embodied to it. I mean, heck, even a couple times Eleanor gets drunk, right? So there's um, there's some really interesting ways of playing around with that. But I, that idea that personhood's embodied, I've always found to be one of the redeeming elements of the show that it says, yes, to be human is to be embodied and the body is good and worth having and using to, to be your, it's, it's essential to being who you are. Mm -hmm. Another thing that it, there's, there's a few things that it gets closer, hints at, or points mm -hmm. at something that is correct. And one of the things is, as Eleanor is trying to do good things in, mm -hmm. the, bad in the bad place to gain points, it's not just the actions that she does, but the motivation behind it. Okay. Yes. The idea that selfishness, like doing a good thing to receive a reward, is not a good thing right. in the show. Which is, it gets, I think it, that gets actually a little bit tricky. Yeah. Because sometimes I think we as Catholics place too much on doing good things, but not feeling good about them. Right. Right. So like the highest thing you can do is to do a good thing without feeling good about it. And yeah. there's something to that. Mm -hmm. But also Aquinas says that like doing a good thing should feel good. That right. means you're like your emotions and your personality, like everything's lined up. Yeah. Like in an ideal situation, you should feel good about sacrificing for somebody or you yeah. should feel good about doing a good thing mm -hmm. right uh but the fact that they count motivation behind this yeah like that's important too because that's an important thing in catholic moral theology too is like your motivation behind what you're doing it is although 
I mean, this gets me on a whole other question about intentionality, but at the same yeah. time, at the same time, the action is still good, right? Let's, yes. So like, there's like, there's the yes. scene where she's holding the door open, the door open for people to try and quote unquote, earn more points. She's still doing a good deed, even though it's selfish, it's still good, right? The deed's objectively good, but what does the Lord really care about? Well, he cares about the heart too, but this is the thing. Yeah. But, but at the same time, okay, yeah, she's doing it for her sake, but she's putting herself to the side to be at the service of others, even though it's doing something for her, she's still at the heart of it, doing something for others. This, I guess this is my thing is that actions always manifest intention, right? So intention, like, because if we put too, I guess my fear is you know, when you put on too much emphasis on intention, yeah, then you actually start to, um, you over spiritualize moral action mm -hmm. and you disembody it. And I, like, so that where you get to the extreme, which happened, especially in the certain schools of theology prior to the council, the idea of, well, I'm making a mental reservation so that yeah. I actually, even though I'm doing this, I don't really mean to do this. Yeah. And that's what we call in the old country, a bunch of BS. Exactly. Like, so your actions do manifest like your intention. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. So, yep. Yeah. So I have one more point to bring up because I, I just remembered it and I thought it was actually really, the whole question of justice. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The show is really investigating the idea of, is it just? I mean, at the end of uh, season, towards the end of season two, Michael appears before the judge and says, essentially, uh, they became good, even though everything says that they can't change after they die. Right. So we need to test something out, because if this is the case, then the whole way our system is built is flawed, and we need, and, and so on and so forth. So the question of justice is a it's a, it's an especially it's a question that's really played out in many ways. So for example, Eleanor says, "Well, I wasn't a bad person. I didn't kill people." But actually, if you see the show, you real, she is a pretty horrible person. Actually, she really is. She really is a horrible person, and that she doesn't see that is a really important fact. She thinks that she should go to a medium place, right? Yeah. Which is and they have a lot of fun with that too, and it's actually quite well done. My favorite thing, because there ends up being a medium place that yeah. one person is in. And my favorite like fact about the medium place is that you have as much beer as you can drink, as much as you want, but it's room temperature. temperature. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, like, like, very like, like, mediocre. Well, this is the thing. It's actually not much different than the good place. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. It's really not much different at all. The same thing. It's the frozen yogurt instead of ice cream type of idea. Yeah. So, But the question of justice, because in the end, Eleanor, I think her her experience of this is right wait this isn't fair if i if i would but it seems like impossible for me to meet the high moral standards of this place and i think it actually cuts to the great question of salvation that it doesn't intend to that in the end the show proves that you actually can't save yourself and that i mean like you there's the in, at the beginning of season two uh eleanor's um, El is it season two or season three? Sorry, yeah, season two. Is this season? No, it's at the end of season two, right? Okay. She's um, remaking herself. Over she yes. and she she gets she's gets she gets saved from death, and then she starts to have a change of heart. But over time, it gets hard. She comes up against a wall, mm -hmm. and she finds it very difficult. And then she starts to revert back to her old self. Like this idea of original sin of concupiscence comes out there this recognition of our humanity that says, I want to fall back into my old patterns. 
is really key there. But the question that the show really does point out that the whole system is flawed and that it's unjust, but that they cannot be the solvers of justice themselves, that there needs to be someone to take that justice upon himself, really. And I, and then so in some ways, it points towards a way of having an open conversation about the person of Jesus and his salvation. Okay, yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. But the thing is, the one thing that we've been saying uh, is that this idea of heaven is not the Catholic idea of heaven, or this idea of salvation is not the Catholic idea of salvation. Right. That being said, it is the idea of many people in the pews today. Exactly. The great one, one of the great crypto hidden heresies of our time is that as long as I am a good person and don't do any of the really big bad things, like I don't murder anyone, I don't, you know, commit sexual assault on anyone, as long as I don't do any of that, if I'm a good person, then I will go to heaven. Yeah. And that is completely and utterly unbiblical. Yeah. There are many yeah. people who will say, Lord, Lord, and Jesus will say, I never knew you. Exactly. So the idea that like, and this, the show does lead to this question, like, just like you said, but there needs to be something more than just being a good person or just committing good actions. Yeah. And the Christian idea is far more than that. This is about accepting the love and mercy that Jesus Christ offers. Right. Whereas grace comes first. Yeah. And one of the, I hate this saying, because people say it all the time and love it. The idea that, you know, God helps those who help themselves. Oh my Maybe gosh. there's a bit, there might be something to that, but yeah. this idea that like, we come first is utterly wrong and uncatholic yeah. and unbiblical. Yeah. God's love and mercy always comes first. Yep. Right? Yep. And and that's the thing. And and if Eleanor would I mean, because in the end it's about Eleanor needed to come and in towards the end of season two, she actually comes to that recognition. I'm a bad person and I deserve this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's the place of conversion. So it, it's I guess it's interesting that unintentionally because they purposely did not want to give like a religious view of heaven in the show, which is fair. Um, it actually does touch or at least gives some signs towards a discussion of the Christian view of all this, which I find is very fascinating that even unten unintentionally, if you actually look at humanity properly, the show... Uh, these things can point us towards real discussions about real human things and about real eternal things. And that's a good thing. And that's why I highly recommend the show to everyone because it's great. It's funny as heck. Um, the character, like I could not imagine people, anyone else playing these characters now that I've seen the show, the care, the casting choice is great. Uh, Ted Danson is just awesome in the show. Uh, uh, Kirsten, Kristen Bell has just been amazing in the show too. I highly, highly, highly recommend the show because I think it the provokes show is entirely, good thought. If, if you've ever studied philosophy, the yeah. show is entirely worth it just for when they enact the uh, trolley problem. Trolley oh, problem. that was so good. The whole show is worth it just oh, for that. that. Okay, quickly, just because that whole show, it was showing how stupid the trolley problem is. <laughs> What's the trolley problem, Father Harrison? The trolley Okay. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, we got to wrap it up here soon. Um, the trolley problem is the idea is the idea that if you have you're on a trolley and you can't stop it, but you can choose which track you're going to go on. You can go on the left track where there's one person or the right track where there's six people. Which one will you choose if you had which one would you morally choose? Which one's the more moral choice? And the idea of the problem is that it's actually meant to provoke that it's an absurd choice because no matter which one you do, it's a it's a wrong you're always choosing something that's going to bring harm to another and it's yeah. meant to bring about a 
a pragmatic response to morality. But I found the, the show really interesting. Intentionally or not, I'm not sure. But the show actually really, by enacting these moral problems, Michael's right. He's saying, this is stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is stupid. This is not, because it's not a good way to do moral reasoning. Because yeah. it's not based in reality. When you make problems, when you make, uh, moral problems out of the abstract and not out of something real. You can't. You're not making a real moral choice, and so it, morality it, is more than math. Exactly. Exactly. So it was a that episode was so. Oh, and then uh, when Chidi in season two is struggling with Michael about Michael's uh, not wanting to learn, and he comes up with his uh, rap about Kierkegaard. Oh. <laughs> the Kierkegaard rap. Yeah. My name is Kierkegaard and my rhyming is impeccable. Check out my teleological suspension of the ethical. I laughed so hard at that. That was brilliant. So there there are gems for the super nerds. But yeah. even if you're not a super nerd, the show is is it's, pretty darn funny. So. It's good. And I and that's my thing about the show. It's a smart show. It yeah. doesn't treat its audience as dumb, and those are always the best shows. Because they mm -hmm. make you think and engage with the content in numerous ways. It's not ways. some garbage like The Big Bang Theory, which exactly. is a terrible show. And yes. I'm ashamed of all of you who like it. <laughs> Amen. <Huh. laughs> Speaking of Big Bangs, uh, that's the end of the show. Eh, eh, nah. C plus. C plus. Yeah, <laughs> like, nah. I got you pass. I was like, uh, eh. Uh, <laughs> but you're right. In as much as it's the end of the show. <laughs> so, uh... You can find me at Fr Harrison. You can find me at Father Sharapa. And you would be. You can also find Tommy Ty at the GH is silent on Twitter because that's the only place we're going to let him speak because we don't have time for him to speak on the show. Um, we our podcast is at Clerical Pod. You can find us on download us on iTunes and Google. Please leave a review so that other people can know about the show. Uh, our email is clericallyspeaking at gmail.com and we will see you next week. God and check you. out our Patreon. Oh, right. Thank you. If you think the show is good and you want to make sure that at our, that our producer at Papa Shrava can put food on the table so he can survive and live as a human being, please feel free to donate to our Patreon. And to remember that any extra that comes from our Patreon that we don't need will go directly to the missionaries and charity for their works. Yes. Cool. God bless you all. Peace.